0: Everyone and welcome to this episode of Ocean, Ocean Science, Science Radio. Radio.
1: Our story begins over 350 years ago, 20 miles off the southern coast of France. The flagship of King Louis XIV was returning from an expedition to the North African coast, with nearly a thousand men and untold treasures from the Barbary Coast.
0: For reasons unknown. The ship sank and was lost to the deep waters of the Mediterranean. The tragedy was so devastating to the reputation of the French Navy that the Sun King and his court hid the fate of the ship from the world and struck it from history. It was lost to the realm of the unknown, until French underwater archaeologists discovered the ship in the early 1990s.
1: The ship was near perfectly preserved and a treasure trove of information on ships of the era. For nearly 20 years, these scientists explored and researched the area in joint efforts with underwater explorers, submarine engineers, and even virtual reality designers that allowed the archaeologists to simulate and optimize their operations.
0: But the technology was still clunky and not ideal for retrieving items without damaging them. The ship lay at such a depth that divers can only go down in full-body atmospheric diving suits the things with the metal gripper arms that look like they're out of some sort of sci-fi movie.
2: The problem is at 100 meters, so you cannot really go and explore it. And they send robot to sea, but there are little capabilities for any human to dive. that So they use this uh, suit You place a human inside, pressurized. It is a very complex and dangerous task. The human is there only to do the manipulation part.
1: The archaeology team needed something a bit more refined and delicate that would still use the skills and experiences of a human diver.
0: Enter Professor Khatib.
2: I'm Usama Khatib, professor of computer science, director of the robotics laboratory here at Stanford University.
1: Professor Hatib and his team develop a unique solution to the problem of delicate deep-sea operations. Ocean One, a semi-autonomous, anthropomorphic deep-sea robot. But it isn't just a robot.
2: Ocean One came about to build a virtual diver. It's your avatar. It's an extension of yourself in the water. When it touches the bottom of the ocean, you are going to feel it through the haptic interaction. The concept is to use haptics with the robot because in those uh, challenging, hostile, difficult environment. It's very difficult to make and build a robot that is completely autonomous.
1: The concept for Ocean One was born from the need to study coral reefs deep in the Red Sea, far below where humans can safely dive. No existing robotic submarine was delicate enough for the task.
0: Ocean One was conceived and built from the ground up, a successful marriage of robotics, artificial intelligence, and haptic feedback systems.
1: Haptic technology is the science of applying tactile sensation and control to robots or computing that actually allows the user to feel what the robot is feeling.
0: This can be something as simple as rumble packs in video game controllers to something more complex like robotic surgery equipment where surgeons can feel the pressure of the tissue they are remotely operating on.
1: The thought is that we can take a human's experience and put it in a robot which, unlike a person, can survive extreme environments.
2: Like if we think about a surgeon, we still need the skills of the surgeon, but the robot is uh, allowing the surgeon to virtually place his her hands in, in the human body without opening. Uh, the same way with Ocean One, we are going to place the robot down there and we are doing a surgery underwater. <laughs>
1: And as we've covered in past episodes, robots have been a part of ocean exploration for a long time.
0: But Ocean One is something different.
2: There are a lot of vehicle underwater. Those vehicle uh, discover, find fantastic things, but uh, they cannot do. So they see, but they cannot do. Our uh, objective was to say that what we have done on on the ground can be transferred to uh, underwater exploration in a way where we uh, avoid uh, putting a diver in danger we can reach areas that are difficult to reach by the human but we we can still connect the human to uh, the machine uh, through this haptic communication interaction methodology and this has been an amazing experience that took us all the way to Marseille to the Mediterranean and uh, this success is uh, really just the start of
0: the exploration. Professor Usama and his team brought their collective history with this haptic robotic technology together in Ocean One and the exploration of La Lune.
2: We are working on, I mean, so many other things this is just one uh, exciting amazing project that we have but uh, if we look at uh, all the work we've been doing around the uh, haptics our work is is very very broad and uh, brings a lot of components that finally came in this project this is uh, a convergence of a lot of the things we developed over the years for medical applications for manufacturing for everything come all together in a system that that can be deployed in the field.
1: We had the opportunity to visit Professor Hatib's lab and meet Ocean One, face to robot face.
0: Like, seriously, this robot has a face and hands. You are not looking at
2: a device with arms, uh, cameras, it is really a, a diver and you can interact with it very naturally. This is basically the same device we use to control the robot and uh, using, using haptic interaction.
0: I would call it a Robo-Mermaid, about five foot long from end to end. It's equipped with stereoscopic vision that shows the pilot exactly what the robot sees and two fully articulated arms. The tail of the robot houses batteries, computers, and eight multi-directional thrusters.
1: And while we were at his lab, we also got to play with some of the haptic toys to get a hands-on experience of how these tools work.
2: Now you're you're controlling, actually interacting with the robot as it is moving in the water. And this is uh, not only simulation, but control. And whatever you touch, you feel it in your hands. So, So now I'm going to, for instance, go and look for a treasure. Let's find if there is any treasure around. Oh, wow, there is a container. What is in the container? Oh yeah, there is
0: a <laughs> The interface almost feels like a video game where you have two controllers where the movements of your arms, hands, and even fingers affect the movement and actions of the robot.
2: Push forward together, the two together. You see the robot is moving forward. If you want to turn, you just push a little bit more in one direction. So it's very easy, right? Fine manipulation is harder. Yeah. It requires experience with it. But if you're good at video games, this is, this is very fast.
1: But one of the coolest parts is that these instruments really allow you to feel what the machines are actually touching.
2: <laughs> and now uh, take this like a pencil. When we are going to touch, you're going to feel it. Amazing, huh? Yeah. It's like your finger is, is sitting there, and you're touching the, the surface.
0: As awesome as the controls and haptic technology is on this robot, some of the coolest features of Ocean One happen automatically, allowing for a seamless, relatively non disruptive dive.
2: So the, the robot is under the, the control uh, of this haptic device, but it has also a lot of autonomy. So basically, the robot actually is synchronizing its own motion. I, if I let go of the robot, is fine. It's, you can also design a trajectory for the robot and it autonomously executes that trajectory.
1: The robot has two onboard computers, one that is set to interact with the tactile information and controls, and the other that runs a flight pattern and even compensates for the motions that you make in the water.
2: If you extend the hand, immediately you create large impact forces. So we have a zone of operations. When you grasp an object with two arms, you immediately have a much bigger object. There is uh, an architecture of control that separates what is posture from what is task. We uh, built a robot that is an integrated diver. Uh, you can see how this robot has a design that allows the robot to, to to make contact with the environment, despite the fact that the body is heavy. Uh, when the robot is moving to dock, uh, uh, if you try to stop it with the thrusters, you will break everything. But this robot, as soon as it touches something, it will bend, mm-hmm. and it move, and remove all the energy. It's synchronizing its own motion. I, if I let go; of the robot is fine. It's controlling itself, so it has intelligence to it.
1: So, how did this robotics professor come to build a sophisticated diving robot and operate it for French underwater archaeologists in the Mediterranean?
2: I came to to meet them by chance at a conference, and when they saw the, the concept, because we yeah. didn't have the robot, they said, oh my god, this is exactly what we need. Because there is no way of really working down there without uh, a virtual diver. This is why we started uh, our collaboration almost like two and a half years ago. Without them, we couldn't do it.
1: And without Ocean One, the underwater archaeologists wouldn't have been able to explore and retrieve artifacts with such delicacy and accuracy. Ocean One is one of the first instances where haptics have been used in ocean exploration and archaeology, and its maiden voyage was a huge success.
2: Working with the team of archaeologists, we located the place and we did a first dive at 15 meters to uh, just see whether the robot is going to be working or not. Deploying a robot in the water is a very complicated task because you, uh, you, you risk uh, breaking the robot against the boat. So we have divers, they immediately take uh, the robot and put it away from the boat. And then we have to do like all kind of uh, the disconnection and connection and starting and, and things. So once the robot is freed, it is in the water and now it's going to dive. So it was really scary. I mean, you dive and you don't know if it will not implode at 70 meters, 80 meters. And f- fortunately it doesn't happen. The robot kept going. It was really amazing that the robot worked immediately.
0: Diving around wreckage is dangerous and usually fraught with peril. Ocean One's dive to Lulun was no different.
2: Unfortunately, the robot's uh, left arm got caught under the cannon, and it was very, very difficult to, to recover the robot because uh, using the thrusters, we were just generating like, more waves and sand, and we, the robot was completely lost over there.
1: Many remotely operated vehicles would be lost to the depths if it was stuck like this. But Ocean One's unique design that mimics human movement is a different story.
2: What saved this robot is the fact that this robot has arms, has like the physical extension of the human. So all what I had to do was to take the control of the haptic device and do push-ups. As soon as I did the push-ups, the robot just jumped and get it out.
1: And ultimately, Ocean One's first mission was a success, not only for the robot, but for its maker as well.
2: This is the the vase we recovered. It has, it was, uh, it comes from uh, Catalonia in Spain, and it was amazing that we recovered, and it was never touched in like 350 years, and we managed to, to bring it and touch it.
0: There are a few videos of this moment around the web. If you want to cheer yourself up by seeing your professor gleefully touch a recovered treasure, I recommend checking it out.
1: With the amazing triumph of the expedition to La Lune, Professor Hatib hopes that the robot will one day take on highly skilled underwater tasks too dangerous for human divers, as well as open up a whole new realm of ocean exploration and industry.
2: This robot and this mission is one illustration of what we can do. Dealing with the the coral reefs and the the fragile environment of the coral reef and the challenges uh, for exploring those coral reefs is uh, something that uh, would be wonderful uh, to, to do and we are planning to work on that as well. We are also looking at applications that will take this robot to building structures in the seabed, Village, you can imagine in the future, 70% of the planet uh, surface is covered by water. And we know really little. And uh, there is so much to, to be done for the environment, uh, for resources, uh, for building structures, for monitoring and uh, intermediate intervention to avoid accident. Like if you think about uh, the uh, BP Gulf of Mexico accident, if we had robots... Uh, available there, we could have made immediate intervention. The same thing with uh, Fukushima.
1: With tools like Ocean One extending the range of human exploration while still maintaining a human touch, the future of ocean exploration is looking more interactive than ever before.
0: A big thank you to Professor Khatib and his lab for letting us tour around and play with those wonderful toys.
1: And of course, a big thanks to you, our listeners. Be sure to join us next time for an all-new Ocean Ocean Science Science Radio. Radio. I think we just stepped into the underwater Uncanny Valley. I guess that would be diving into the Uncanny Valley. Ugh. Give me
0: some. Ugh,